And uh, we're excited because um, we know that God is a prayer-answering God and that uh, God answers the prayer of those that are righteous and are crying out to Him. And uh, today we want to continue in our sermon series that we began a couple of weeks ago, a sermon series about being circle makers. And uh, a couple of weeks ago we shared with you the story of a uh, Talmudic tradition of a man 100 years before the time of Jesus Christ named Honi, who was known for being able to pray. And when he prayed, things happened. The story that made him famous is when he drew a circle around him in the sand because the city of Israel, the, the land of Israel was afflicted by a tremendous famine and there had been no rain. He drew a circle, put himself in the middle of the circle, and prayed a very bold prayer. said, Lord, until you bless your children with rain, I will not leave this circle. And as he prayed, the rain began to fall. So God is challenging some people of God to be people of faith that will be circle makers, that will circle the promises of God. And when you circle the promises of God and pray with persistence and dream big and have great faith based on the promises of God, good things are going to happen. Can I get an amen today? Praise the Lord. Last week, uh, Pastor Amato shared with us about the importance of dreaming big. Because if you don't have anything circled, you're not praying about anything specific, then you're probably not going to get the answers that you desire. Amen. Today we're going to talk for a few moments. I'm cognizant of the time and we're going to be as brief as possible. Talk about praying hard. Everybody say praying hard. Because the Bible says the effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. So uh, to give a subtitle, it would be the persistence quotient because prayer makes a difference when we pray persistently. Now there are, uh, they have discovered in standardized math tests that Japanese children consistently score higher than American children. And some assumed that perhaps it was because they were gifted with a natural proclivity towards mathematics, and that's why the difference was there. Researchers discovered that it wasn't that. That was not the case at all. They did a study involving first graders. They were giving a difficult puzzle to solve. And so they, they uh, did first graders of American students and Japanese students. The researchers weren't necessarily concerned about whether or not the children could figure out the puzzle, what they wanted to find out was how long they would try before they gave up. What they discovered was that the American child lasted on the average 9.47 minutes, and then they would quit. But the Japanese children lasted 13.93 minutes before they gave up. In other words, the Japanese children tried 47% longer than the American children. So it's no wonder why they score higher on math exams. What the researchers discovered was and concluded that uh, with this experiment was that the Japanese first graders simply tried harder. This not only explains the difference in standardized math scores, but the implications are true no matter where you turn. It doesn't matter whether it's athletics or academics, music or math. There are no shortcuts. There are no substitutes. Success is a derivative of persistence, of putting your mind to it and putting your heart to it and not giving up. As they studied these findings, 
they also discovered uh, an individual named Anders Ericsson. Uh, who was a part of the Berlin Elite Academy of Music. Uh, and he did a study with musicians, and he basically uh, uh, categorized the students which were bound to be world-class soloists. They were in one group. Another group were those that were good violinists. And the third group were those that were unlikely to pray, play professionally. Uh, they didn't have the skills to pray, play professionally. So you have the best, the soloists, those who were uh, uh, good enough to perhaps play professionally within an ensemble, and then those who would never play professionally. And what they discovered is that there was a correlation about the amount of practice that these kids, these young people, had put in. And the uh, average players had logged 4,000 hours of practice over their lives, whereas the good violinists had totaled about 8,000 hours, and those that were the elite performers had logged 10,000 hours of practice time before they got to where they were. And so I want to tell you today that persistence is the magic bullet and the magic number appears to be 10,000 hours and they've uh, expanded this study to many many different areas and uh, this is uh, a a quote the emerging picture from such studies is that 10,000 hours of practice is required to achieve a level of mastery associated with being a world-class expert in anything Daniel Levin says, this is a a neurologist, he says, in study after study of composers, basketball players, fiction writers, ice skaters, concert pianists, chess players, criminals, and what have you, this number, 10,000, comes up again and again. No one yet has found a case study in which a true world-class expertise was accomplished in less time than 10,000 hours. It seems that the brain takes that long to assimilate all it needs to achieve true mastery. Everybody say 10,000 hours. And so my question today is, do you think that prayer is any different? Prayer is a habit that ought to be cultivated. It is a discipline that has to be developed. It is a skill that has to be practiced. And I don't want to just limit prayer or reduce prayer to just logging a certain number of hours. But I believe that if you want to achieve mastery, it will take 10,000 hours. Amen. And the bigger the dream, the harder you have to pray. The bigger the dream that you circle, the harder you have to pray. I want to read a specific translation of Luke chapter 18. Luke chapter 18 verses 1 through 5. It says this. One day, Jesus told his disciples a story to show that they should pray always and never give up. There was a judge in a certain city, he said, who neither feared God nor cared about people. A widow of that city came to him repeatedly saying, Give me justice in this dispute with my enemy. The judge ignored her for a while, but finally he said to himself, I don't fear God and I don't care about justice. But this woman is driving me crazy. I'm going to see that she gets justice because she is wearing me out with her constant requests. Wearing me out with her constant requests. This parable in scripture that Jesus told of this persistent widow shows us what praying hard looks like. 
It means knocking until your knuckles are raw. It means crying out until your voice is lost. It means pleading until your tears run dry. Praying hard is about praying through. Not just praying for something, but praying through something. And if you pray through, then I can promise you one thing. God will come through. The phrase used to describe her persistence here in this passage is that she wore him out with her requests. She wore her out. This is terminology, terminology from boxing. Praying hard is going 12 rounds with God. And a heavyweight bout with God can be excruciating and it can be exhausting. But let me tell you, it's how the greatest prayer victories are won. Praying hard is more than words. It's blood, sweat, and tears. I want to tell you today that there is power in your prayers. and There is power in prayer that is backed by faith. There is power in prayers that has a bulldog tenacity that refuses to give up but continues to believe God for an answer based on a promise from the word of God. Praying hard is praying until God answers, no matter how long it takes. It's doing whatever it takes. Come on, somebody, to show God that you are serious. The Bible tells the story of Jacob the deceiver who wrestled with an angel until the break of day. He said to the angel, this theophany or representation of God, that I won't let you go until you bless me. You know what the problem was is Jacob was known as a deceiver. When he came out of the womb, he was attached to him a moniker that means a liar, a cheat, and a deceiver. And he had lived that out in his life by deceiving his own brother, by deceiving his own ancient father, by deceiving his father-in-law, and being deceived by his father-in-law. But he got a hold of the angel that night and said, I'm not letting go until you bless me. And there at the break of day, the Bible says the angel touched his thigh and from that day forward he would walk with a limp you know what he was doing he was wearing the angel out he said I won't let you go he was knocking until his knuckles were were raw some would say that that's the wrong attitude to have with God you should be respectful Honey, what are you doing drawing a circle and say, I'm not stepping out of it until you send your blessing on God's people? Some would think that is offensive to God. In fact, the Sanhedrin almost excommunicated Honey because of this prayer. But finally they decided, Honey has this special relationship with God. He can talk to God that way. He's talked to God enough. I want to tell you today that there's something about somebody who will take a promise of God and take hold of it and refuse to let go of it. That God not only tolerates, but appreciates. I know this language is strong, but the Bible says that God said, Jacob have I loved, and Esau have I hated. There's something that gets the attention of God, and God honors those who will get out of themselves to take hold of the promises of God and pray until something happens. Can I get an amen? Desperate times call for desperate measures. And there is no more desperate an act than praying hard. Everybody say pray hard. hard. There's a moment when you need to throw caution to the wind and draw a circle in the sand. Now with this woman 
facing this injustice in her life, going to the unjust judge. We don't know what injustice took place, but we do know that she wouldn't take no for an answer. And that's what made her a circle maker. She refused to take no for an answer. Maybe her son had been falsely accused and was in prison. Maybe, who knows, maybe her daughter had been molested and the molester was still walking the street. Whatever it was, the judge knew she would never give up. The judge knew she would circle his house until the day she died if she didn't get justice. She's wearing me out. The judge knew that there was no quit in this persistent widow. Does the judge know that about you? Does the judge know that about you? How desperate are you for the miracle? Desperate enough to pray through the night? How many times are you willing to circle the promise until the day that you die? How long and how loud will you knock on the door of opportunity until you knock the door down? Desperate measures. If you aren't desperate, you won't take desperate measures. But when you do get desperate, you'll get out of yourself. Amen. When you finally pray like it depends on God, the biggest miracles and the best promises will get into your reach. Amen. When you learn to pray hard, when you learn to pray hard like this persistent widow, God will honor your bold prayers because your bold prayers are honoring God. Have you ever thought about that? Do little prayers honor God? Big prayers honor God because he's a big God. Amen? And uh, this uh, persistent widow, her method was unorthodox. She probably could have just waited for her court day. That's probably what... We think she should have done. Just wait for your court date. Wait for your day in court. She was going to the personal residence of the judge and circling his house. That crossed a professional line, wouldn't you think? He probably would have maybe considered getting a restraining order if they had those back then. But God, I'm going to tell you you this, that God could care less about protocol. If he was interested in protocol, then he, he would have chosen Pharisees to be his disciples. Are you listening to me? He would have chosen the Pharisees as his disciples, but that's not who Jesus honored. You look at the word of God. Look who Jesus made note of and said, check out their faith. Check this person out. It was, it was, he honored the prostitute who crashed a party at the Pharisee's house so that he could, she could anoint the feet of Jesus Christ. That's who Jesus honored. Jesus honored the tax collector who climbed up in a tree in his three-piece suit so he could just catch a glimpse of Jesus Christ. Zacchaeus, the wee little man and the wee little man was he he climbed up in the sycamore tree the savior for to see come on now and jesus said check it out well i'm going to your house for tea he passed by all the casual observers and honored the man who was in the tree jesus honored the four friends who cut in line and tore the roof off the house to lower their friend down into the presence of jesus the bible says when he saw their faith he said to the man thy sins be forgiven thee Amen, amen. In the parable that we read, Jesus honored the woman who drove the judge crazy because she wouldn't stop knocking. So in these events in Scripture, the common denominator is this. Each of these stories represent holy desperation. And God still honors spiritual desperados who crash parties and climb trees tear the roof off of houses. God is still honoring those who defy protocol with their bold and aggressive prayers. 
This persistent widow's unrelenting persistence was the only difference between justice and injustice because she continued she continued and I want to tell you that the viability of our prayers have more to do with their intensity than their vocabulary say well they pray so beautifully and they're, they're, they have such a command of the English language and they're able to put the words together those 26 letters in the alphabet put them together just beautifully and, and punctuate everything and it just sounds oh man it just sounds amazing like they're reading King James English forget about all that uh, amen your prayers viability is not about how well you put the letters together it's about the intensity and the passion and the heart that you have behind it come on now now this Famine that Honey faced several generations before that, there was another drought in Israel. For three long years it had not rained because Elijah had commanded that there be no rain. But then the Lord promised Elijah that he would send the rain. But check this out. Like every other promise, Elijah had to circle that promise through prayer. So Elijah climbed to the top of Mount Carmel fell on his face and prayed for rain. You can read the story yourself, but it says that six times while he was on his face praying, he told his servant to get up and go to the highest point there and look toward the sea. Each time that he looked, there was no sign of any rain. And that's when most of us give up. When we've prayed and we don't see any evidence of the answer coming. We stop praying because we can't see any tangible difference with our natural eyes. But I want to tell you, even if you don't see any difference, your prayers are making a difference. Your obedience is making a difference. Your faith is making a difference. You coming in line with the promises of God is making a difference. Praise God. After the seventh circle of prayer, seventh time that he prayed, Elijah's servant strained his eyes and looked from the top of the mountain and saw, the Bible says, a small cloud the size of a man's hand rising from the sea. Now, those of you that know the story know that that small cloud the size of a man's hand produced a torrential outpour, amen, to where they couldn't even move their chariots around. It was raining so hard. I want to tell you that the easy part of prayer is talking, but an important part of prayer is listening, Amen. Listening. It's harder listening to the still small voice of the Holy Spirit than it is to talk. But Elijah, what did he do? He kept sending the servant to see, is the answer coming? Why didn't he just pray? He didn't just pray, but he acted on his expectation by having this man look toward the sea. Elijah is one who always acted on his prayer. You know, he didn't just pray against the prophets of Baal that were false prophets in Israel. He challenged them to a duel on the top of Mount Carmel. Yes. Said the God that answers by fire, let him be God. Sometimes you need to stop praying for a minute and do something in act of faith. You, you remember the story of Elijah when uh, they were in a time of famine? He didn't tell the widow who was about out of food just to pray, but he told her to bake him a cake first from the little bit of meal that was less with the last of her dough. You can't just get on your knees. You also have to look toward the sea. Come on. Sometimes you have to make a move on faith towards God. 
The children of Israel were about to go into the promised land. God gave them specific instructions. He said, let the priests carry the Ark of the Covenant in front of the people. And when they come to the swollen river of Jordan, because of the time of year, it's, over, uh, uh, it's come over its banks, it's swell, it's, it's rushing. And he said, I want you to tell the priests to take a few steps into the waters of the Jordan. And so that doesn't sound very smart. Sounds like you would wait until the miracle happened and then step into the dry land. But he said, I want you to get your feet wet. Amen. Amen. And that's the problem with some of us. We don't want to get our feet wet. Uh-huh. We want God to answer the prayer. Then we'll take a step of faith. But sometimes God says, stop praying and get up, and I want you to do something. I want you to look out and see if the answer is coming. I want you to take that step of faith. Praise God. Because the Bible says, as soon as their feet hit the water, the miracle took place. Jesus said to Peter, step out of the boat. Peter said, bid me to come. Jesus said, come on. He stepped out of the boat. And saw the most amazing miracle. Wouldn't you love to see somebody walking on water? Walking on. Peter was walking on water, but it never would have happened had he not been willing to get his feet wet. And I want to tell you that with your persistent, hard prayer, you've got to mix faith with it and become sensitive to the Holy Spirit. And when God says move, then you move. Amen. When God says do it, then you do it. Learn to be sensitive and to hear the voice of God. Praise God. Praise the Lord. Many of us live our lives so close to the promise, so close to the miracle, but we aren't willing to get our feet wet. I wonder what would have happened. This is just the way I think. What, what would have happened if Elijah had quit praying after six prayers? I think the obvious answer is he would have defaulted on the promise that God had given him and forfeited the miracle that was coming. But Elijah prayed. And because Elijah prayed through... God came through. And I want to encourage some people of God here who've put your walk with God up on the shelf and the enemy has convinced you that prayer doesn't make a difference. And the enemy has convinced you that prayer is good and healthy and all, but I can make a difference on my own. God wants to share with you today through the anointed servant of God that you have power through prayer. And if you want a difference made in your life, the greatest and most uh, effective thing that you can do is to draw circles around the promises of God. It's too easy to give up on your dreams, to give up on your miracles, to give up on the promises of God. So often we lose heart, we lose patience, and we lose faith. Like a slow leak in a tire, it happens without us ever knowing it until our prayer life gets a flat and we don't pray any longer. Let me just share this with you right now because I believe it's important to counterbalance what I'm, what I'm preaching today. The Bible says... In uh, the book of Luke chapter 7 and verse 23, it says, Blessed is he whosoever shall not be offended in me. Whosoever shall not be offended in the Lord. Blessed is he. Now, in this passage of Scripture, if you look at the context of this, Luke chapter 7, what's the story going on? The story is John the Baptist, the forerunner of Jesus Christ, is sitting in prison. And while he is in prison, he is hearing stories of the miracles of Jesus Christ. And so he sends some of his disciples who had come to visit him in the prison, said, go ask Jesus and say, Jesus, are you the Messiah 
or should we look for another? And those disciples went to Jesus. Jesus said, tell John what you are seeing and go tell John that the blind see, the deaf hear, the dead are being raised from the dead. Go tell John what's happening. And then he said, by the way, tell John, blessed are they which are not offended in me. That just seems kind of like a random statement there until you think about this. John the Baptist is sitting in a prison cell about to get his head cut off. And in the meantime, there are people all over the community receiving miracles from Jesus. John could have sit there and said, Jesus, if you are the Messiah and if you do have power, get me out of this prison cell. But God's plan called for him to sit in the prison cell and to die an untimely death. Blessed are they which are not offended in me. Some of the hardest things that we ever have to deal with is when we pray and somebody else gets their prayer answered and we don't get our prayer answered John's hearing of the miracles but not receiving it himself go tell John what do you do when you feel like God is answering everyone's prayers but yours Mm -hmm. all prayers aren't answered but let me tell you the counterside to that 100% of prayers that don't get prayed don't get answered But some of the hardest moments in life are when you have prayed and the answer is no. And you don't know why. You may never know why. I'm talking today about praying hard. Praying hard is continuing to pray when you get an answer from God that you don't understand. This is the litmus test of trusting God. Are you listening to me, brothers and sisters? Are you able to trust that God is on your side and for you even when he doesn't give you what you asked for? Praise God. Come on now. Because I think all of us can think of times when we prayed for God to heal somebody and it didn't happen. We prayed for a miracle and the person ended up dying that we were praying that they would live. It's easy to get offended in God. But learning how to trust God is to trust Him and continue praying even when He doesn't give you what you asked for. Come on now. Trusting that God has reasons beyond your reason. Trusting that God has a better plan than what you have. And there are some mysteries, listen to me, that won't be revealed until we get to the other side. The hardest thing about praying hard is enduring unanswered prayers. Unresolved anger towards God because of unanswered prayers can undermine your faith. But some of us need to learn when you get angry, convert the anger into prayer. Convert that disgust into prayer. Praise God. And if you can trust God when the answer is no, then the chances are pretty good that you're going to give him praise when the answer is yes. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. If you can trust God when the answer is no then you'll give him praise when the answer is yes. Praying hard is praying when it's hard to pray. Praying hard is praying when it's hard to pray. I want to tell you, sometimes it's easy to pray. You just get an answer to prayer, it's easy to pray. You see God working in your life, it's easy to pray. All you have to do is close your eyes and you feel the anointing, you feel the touch. But other times it's hard to pray. And I want to tell you that praying hard sometimes is praying when you prayed six times and you didn't get the answer and you still pray. Amen. I believe Elijah would have prayed a thousand times that day on Mount Carmel until he saw the the, the cloud the size of the man's hand because he had a promise from God and he was persistent and he, he, he focused on continuing praying. 
And when you keep praying through, even when you don't get an answer, you receive the peace that transcends understanding, and it will guard your heart and your mind. Somebody thank God for that right now. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So sometimes we pray and the answer is no. And sometimes it's, it's something we'll never really understand why. But the good news is what we perceive as unanswered prayers are often the greatest answer to prayer. You ever had one of those moments that's uh, kind of like one of those, what's going on, God, moments? When you're trying to move forward, maybe it's even doing something good, doing something right. Maybe it's in an area of ministry and you're trying to move forward. And God not only is not answering, but it looks like he's opposing you. What's going on, God? Why, why is this happening? I prayed. I believed. I made commitments and consecrations. Da, 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 da. Boom. It's a wall. What's going on, God? See, the thing is, if God answered every one of our prayers, he might be giving us an option, but it may not be the best option. It might be the second, third, or fourth option. Anybody ever had this experience in life like I've had before? That you're praying hard for God to answer a prayer in a way that you want it to be answered? And the prayer is not answered and you get frustrated and discouraged? God, we wanted this. God, we desired this. And it's not something selfish. It's something good for the kingdom of God. And the answer doesn't come. And then you get a, little, a, a few feet down the road and you look back and you realize that all of a sudden God answers it. But he doesn't answer it the way you intended to. He answers it better. Come on, are you listening to me right now? I keep thinking about what God's doing in Monrovia. It just blows my mind about all of these lives that God is going to give our church, give you people an opportunity to minister to. Families, some of which have had issues and problems with their children. Families that maybe have never experienced the baptism of the Holy Spirit or the power of the living God. And God's positioning us to be able to minister to dozens of families that we had no connection with before. See, there are things that I have prayed for in the past that if God had answered it that way, we would never have the opportunities that we're having right now. Listen to me right now. When God says no, it doesn't mean that he doesn't love you and he doesn't want to bless you. It may very well mean that he has something better for you. And if he says yes now, he has to say no to what he had in his divine plan. I want to tell you right now that you've got to learn to trust God and learn that even though he says no, sometimes Garth Brooks said it this way anybody know know this one some of God's greatest gifts are unanswered prayers some of the best thing that God ever does in your life is says no to this so he can say yes to this come on somebody hallelujah Hallelujah. And that's learning how to trust God. But the point is, you're still praying. You're still believing. When the door closes, you don't give up on God and say, God doesn't answer prayer. You say, God answers prayer. But I don't understand what's happening. But God does answer prayer. I'm not going to be offended in him. I'm going to keep praying. I'm going to keep believing God and know that he has my best interest at heart. God's too wise to give us everything that we ask for. God's too loving to give us everything that we ask for when we ask. 
men. Remember the story in the Bible? Some of you that don't know much about the Bible, this is a cool story. It's a story of a talking donkey. Did you know that? There's a talking donkey in the Bible. A guy named Balaam has been called upon to curse the people of Israel. He didn't understand fully that they were God's chosen people. But, uh, so he was going out. He had this prophetic ministry of sorts. So he jumps onto his donkey, and he's going out to uh, profess these curses. And all of a sudden, the donkey crushed his thigh against the wall. And so what did he do? Man, he beat the donkey. Come on, go. And, and the donkey just continues to be stubborn, as donkeys are apt to do. And he beats it. And then the third time he beats it. And then all of a sudden the donkey speaks with a British accent and King James English. Why are you beating me thus? For I have been a good donkey my whole life. Never before have I crushed your thigh against the wall. Don't you think there's a reason here? The story was that there was a great angel with a sword of judgment that was standing in the pathway about to execute judgment on Balaam for trying to speak against God's chosen people. And the donkey said, whoa, I'm not going to lead you that direction. The greater miracle, listen to me right now, the greater miracle is not the fact that the donkey spoke. The greater miracle is God cared enough about Balaam to keep him from walking right into judgment's way. Sometimes God stands in what seems the path of progress to you. Why is God not allowing me to go this direction? Why is God not answering prayer? Could it be that you're about to walk off a cliff and do something fateful to your life and to your family? I want to tell you right now that God is merciful. God is good. God answers prayer. But sometimes he's too wise and too loving to answer it in the way we want him to. Come on, somebody. Praise the Lord. So I'm grateful. Yes, I'm grateful that God doesn't answer all of my prayers. And part of praying hard is persisting in prayer, even when we don't get the answer that we want. Choosing to believe God has a better plan even than what I had. Come on. Listen to me. God has a better plan. You walk with God. You be faithful. You be consistent in prayer. You may have said, God, I'm knocking on this door. I'm believing Open it up, open it up, open it up, open it up, open it up. And you put in lots of prayer. You put in lots of faith. You put in lots of aggressive, uh, persistent knocking on the door. And the door never opens. And you say, well, maybe God isn't uh, uh, for real. And maybe he doesn't answer prayer. Hey, I want to tell you that that time of prayer, that time of knocking did not go to waste. You may be knocking on this door, but God hears it on the other door that's supposed to open. Come on, somebody. God's going to open the door that needs to be opened in your life because you're knocking on the door that you think needs to be opened in your life. It's all about praying. It's all about being persistent. So draw circles around the promises of God. Knock until the door opens. Amen. The reason many of us give up too soon is because... We feel like we failed if God doesn't answer our prayers. We've not failed. God has not failed. That isn't failure. The only way you can fail is to stop praying. Come on. The only way you can fail is to stop praying. Let me tell you what's important. It's important 
to link your prayer to a promise. That's why you need to know the Word of God. That's why this book is the most important book in your life by far. I mean, it doesn't even have a close second. This book is full of the living Word of God that has promises. Promises to other people that can be extended to you. Amen? I wonder, I wonder this. I wonder if when Honey drew his circle that day, if he wasn't thinking about the promise that God fulfilled to Elijah. I've read the story of Elijah, how he prayed until the answer came. I'm going to link my prayer to a promise that was fulfilled to Elijah. Amen. If he did it for Elijah, then he can do it for me. And when Elijah prayed that day on top of Mount Carmel, I wonder if his persistence in prayer wasn't linked to the miracle that we heard about last week of the quail raining down from heaven. If God can send a quail storm, sure enough, he can send a rainstorm or a thunderstorm. I want to tell you that your most powerful prayers are linked to the promises of God in the word of God. <laughs> because when you know that you are praying the promise of God, when you've got book for it, when you've got it in the word, then you can pray on solid ground. You can pray with holy confidence. It's the difference between praying on thin ice and praying on solid ground. It's the difference between praying tentatively and praying aggressively and tenaciously. What's the old saying? God said it. I believe it. That settles it for me. Come on now. We're going to modernize that and say, God said it, I've circled it, and it settles it for me. Most estimate that there are over 3,000 promises in this book right here. And you may say, well, those promises were for, for the Old Testament, or those promises were for people years and years ago. But by virtue of what Jesus Christ accomplished on the cross, every one of those promises are available to you. Even if you're not Jewish by descent. Even if you have no connection to Father Abraham, even if you have no biological connection to the promises, Jesus extended the promises to you on the cross. So this book right here is a resource. And when you read this book, you don't just read through the Bible. You need to learn to pray through the Bible. You don't just read the Bible. You need to learn to circle promises, even if not just figuratively, but literally in the word of God and say, God, I believe in that promise. I take hold. I'm telling you right now, this will revolutionize and revitalize your prayer life if you pray through the word of God sometimes we view prayer and scripture reading as two separate disciplines I got to read my Bible and then I got to pray without any overlap but I'm telling you right now they were meant to be linked together I believe that reading can become a form of praying and praying can become a form of reading the word of God you know, you know why sometimes we don't pray very often? It's because we run out of things to say. Anybody been there before? You're praying, it's like, God, I, uh, well, oh, I'm praying in the Holy Ghost now. Oh, hallelujah. I'm not making fun of that. Obviously, that's scriptural. But the point is sometimes we stop praying because we run out of things to say. And we lack persistence because we lack conversation pieces. That's when our prayers transition into a bunch of overused cliches instead of praying hard about a big dream come on we're just engaging in small talk what's the solution the solution is pray through the bible my god get into the word of god 
What promises in here do I need to circle? This book wasn't meant to just be read through. It was meant to be prayed through. Pray through the Bible. And when you pray through the Bible, you'll never run out of promises to circle. And you'll never run out of things to talk about with God. You need to circle these promises. Literally circle the promises in your Bible. And then do it figuratively by circling them in prayer. See, the Bible says that in Matthew 18, 18, I love this passage, and I'm coming to a close here, brothers and sisters. Matthew 18 and 18 says, if you bind it on earth, I'll bind it in heaven. And if you loose it on earth, I'll loose it in heaven. The Bible says in the Lord's Prayer, we are commanded to say, our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. When you pray, you are asking God's will to be done in your life. You are asking God's will to be done on the earth. The, the natural implication is, is that God's will is not always done on the earth. Can we agree with that? The will of God is not always done on the earth. The will of God is not always done in my life. The will of God is not always done in your family. But when you ask for the will of God to be done in your family, then the will of God is done in your family. Whatever is bound on earth shall be bound in heaven. Whatever is loosed on earth shall be loosed in heaven. We have the power through prayer to bind up anything that would oppress our family and to loose blessings on our family. But until we pray, God's not going to mess with our business. Until we give him the privilege and the opportunity and the opening through prayer. Jesus is the one that said it. God, let your will be done in my family today. My God. God, let your will be done in my church today. God, let your will be done in my ministry today. God, let your will be done in my career today. God, let your will be done in my witness today. My God. You open the door to divine and providential action within your life when you bind it on earth. Binding is, means to place a contract on something. And when you pray something in the earthly realm, God puts a contract on it in the heavenly realm. If you're praying in accordance with the will of God, if you circle it on earth, he'll circle it in heaven. If you circle it in prayer... He'll circle it in the spirit realm. Amen. Praise God. God's watching over his word to perform it. He's watching and waiting on us to take him at his word. Isaiah 59, 21 says this. As for me, this is my covenant with them, saith the Lord. My spirit that is upon thee and my words which I have put in thy mouth shall not depart out of thy mouth, nor out of thy mouth of thy seed, nor out of the mouth of thy seed's seed, saith the Lord from henceforth and forever. This is a promise of God that you need to circle. Psalms chapter 84 and verse 11 says, No good thing will he withhold from them that walk uprightly. God's on your side. God has good things for you. And while we know that God certainly won't bless disobedience, he certainly will bless uh, obedience. Uh, Psalms chapter 23, the 23rd Psalm says, Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. The word that's translated follow me is too soft. It, when you look at the actual Hebrew term following me, it's a term that is used for hunting. 
goodness and mercy is hunting you down all the days of your life. Come on now. God is hunting you down. But not so he can heap judgment upon you. But God is hunting you down. Come on, somebody. Believe the word of the Lord. God is hunting you down with goodness and mercy and blessings. Moms and dad, I believe God wants you to circle your children. There's a verse of scripture in the book of Luke chapter 252 describes Jesus Christ. It says he grew in wisdom and in stature in favor with God and with man. I wonder if you could circle that and pray that over your children. Amen. Say, God, I want my kids to grow in wisdom and in stature and with favor with God and man. Say, well, that wasn't about them. That was about Jesus. Yeah, but we're supposed to be like Jesus. So you can pray that promise over your kids. This makes a difference. When you pray these kinds of things over your children and you draw circles around your promises in the word of God for your kids and you teach them to draw circles as well. Because as a parent, you are a prophet to your child. When you know the scriptures and you know your child, you can connect them with particular scriptures that are based on their needs and circle those scriptures in prayer. I want to tell you right now in closing that the thing that I crave the most and the thing that matters the most to me is the favor of God on my life, on our ministry, on this church, and on my family. When I say the favor of God, what does that mean? That means when God is able to intervene on our behalf and blesses us way beyond what we expect and way beyond what we deserve. There is a certain time when God says, now is the time for God's favor. We sing it here at Life Church. It's my time for God's favor. It's my time to be blessed. It's time for God's favor in my family. It's time for God's favor in my church. I've been praying through. I've been praying hard. Amen. I've been believing. I've been taking hold of the promises of God. And I want to tell you that when you pray, your prayers are not lost. Your prayers don't lose their vitality over time. But your prayers hold on to their value. They are held on to forever and I want to tell you that all of a sudden the answer is going to come God's working behind the scene God's working behind the scene life church keep praying keep praying things are going to happen that no man will be able to take credit for that's what I'm talking about God's favor doors open Finances made available. Opportunities that come that aren't because of your skill or because you're pretty or because you have all the right connections, but they happen because God says, I'm going to favor my child. They're still having a prayer meeting. God deliver Peter from prison. God deliver Peter from prison. We need Peter to help lead the church. Deliver him from prison. And all of a sudden there is a knock on the door. And they go to check the door. Rhoda, the little servant girl, opens the door. And who is at the door but the man who was just in prison. That they were praying for God to deliver him from prison. I want to tell you that God's favor is in your life. There are some things you're praying about that God's already working behind the scenes. I want you to keep knocking. I want you to keep believing. 
I want you to keep praying hard. I want you to keep praying with persistency. I want you to keep praying with faith because God answers prayer and God is not intimidated by bold prayers. He's not intimidated by bold faith, but he's stimulated by it. I want you to stand to your feet right now and praise God. Hallelujah. Come on, somebody praise him right now. Come on, in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Come on, somebody. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. In the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. 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 Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. Hallelujah. We're going to pray together in just a moment, but I want to share with you one last story from that I read this week, and I thought it was pretty amazing. It was really cool. But it stimulated my faith because I want you to listen right now that God is going to provide open doors and financial miracles for this church, not so we can show off but so that God can expand the influence and the ministry of you people. Come on. God is going to do some things that are going to be impossible for us to orchestrate. It's going to be impossible for any man, woman, or committee to make it happen. It's called the favor of God, and it's accessed through prayer. It's accessed through consistent, faithful Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Praise God. Praise God. Let me tell you right now, Sister Haney, that I, I know you realize that Brother Nathaniel's grandfather built this church building and had a vision for a revival church in Pasadena some 65 years ago. And then he moved to Stockton, was prompted or directed by God to go there. But there, I, I have a feeling that there were a lot of faith-filled prayers that went up from this building some 65 years ago saying, God, let there be an influential church that makes a difference in the community. And over the years, God's been faithful. Over the years, there are lives that have been impacted. But I want to tell you what I believe in the Holy Ghost right now is it's our time for God's favor there's a lot of prayers of faithful men of God that have prayed. There's praise and prayers that people have prayed over my life and my wife's life. Prayers that you have prayed. And I want to tell you it's time for God's favor. 1929 was the year that Dallas, uh, around the time that Dallas Theological Seminary was founded. One of the two most prominent seminaries in America, one of the three, Wheaton DTS and Fuller, uh, Fuller Seminary here in Pasadena, Dallas Theological Seminary. Most of the instructors that I had when I went to undergrad school in Tennessee at Union University were graduates of Dallas Theological Seminary. The school almost shut down because they didn't have the funds. In 1929, they had a prayer meeting at the commencement exercise beforehand in the room with some of the elders, and they took turns praying. One of the man, one of the men who prayed, his name was Harry Ironside. He prayed specifically invoking a promise of God, linking 
his prayer to a promise from God. He quoted the verse of scripture that says, The Lord owns the cattle on a thousand hills. He said, God, we know that you own the cattle on a thousand hills. Please sell some of them and send us the money. The story goes that while he was saying this prayer, while he was praying it, the door opened up and the secretary came and tapped the president of the school whose name was uh, Chafer, President Schaefer, the founder of Dallas Theological Seminary and said, we just received this in the mail. It was a check for $10,000, which back then was probably hundreds of thousands of dollars comparative to today's time. He turned to Harry and said, God just sold the cattle. <laughs> you may look around this room and say, where's the resources for the revival God's going to use? Where's the manpower? Where's the open doors? Where's the connections? I want to tell you right now that God's favor is not fair, but God's favor is about to come into this church in a special. God's favor is already unfolding. God's favor is already unfolding, and I want God's favor in your life, and you access that through prayer. Let's gather around the front right now, church family. Hallelujah. Come on from out from where you are, and let's gather around the front for a few moments. here everybody squeeze in for a few moments right now hallelujah Lord thank you Jesus praise God amen brother Rick come testify real quick um, a few um, about a month ago uh, actually several months ago my brother's wife was diagnosed with stage four cancer. Stage four, okay, serious. Uh, golf ball tumor, golf ball tumor uh, in her breast. And um, they're, they're, they're not churchgoers, they're just hanging on a thread. So my wife and I, um, actually it was Maria's, Maria's idea, that we go over their house on the way to church and pray and we took oil we anointed them um, and we said a prayer over them that we and we just called out and cried out God we believe in your word your word is true it is you are faithful and we just asked one time one time we held on to the promise because God was going to heal her and out of this little meeting was going to be birthed a testimony. And out of this little prayer meeting was, was birthed a testimony. We got a call just a few days ago. No cancer. Not, not just, not just a, you know, a, like a little partial healing. She's going to have, she had chemotherapy. 
She had a little bit of chemotherapy. But let me tell you, when you got stage four cancer, my mother died of cancer, and when you have stage four cancer, it stays there. There's always gonna be something there. But God healed her, and that promise was not just for Christy, it's for everybody. Praise God. Praise God, I want you to lift up your hands right now. I pray, Lord, God, let our faith reach up to you. Come on, somebody, lift up your voice right now. And just for a moment, can you pray hard? Can you pray with faith right now in the name of Jesus Christ? God's favor on my family. God's favor on my children. God's favor in my career. God's favor, Lord God. Hallelujah, on my ministry. God's favor on life, church. Hallelujah. Come on, somebody. Let your faith reach up to heaven right now. Hallelujah. Come on, I want you to pray. I want you to pray because God's presence is moving in this place. Hallelujah. Your faith can reach up to God. If you don't have the Holy Ghost, you can receive the Holy Spirit right now. God can touch you and feel you, and your heart will overflow with the presence of the living God. Come on, there's healing for your marriage. There's healing for your body. Come on, somebody. There's healing for your finances. There's healing. Come on, somebody. Believe God right now. Come on, somebody, be bold and circle a promise of God. Cry out to the Lord. Cry out to the Lord. Like... Come on, somebody cry out like Bartimaeus. Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Jesus, I need a job. Jesus, I need your favor. Jesus, I need you to answer prayer and open doors. Hallelujah. Our God is greater. Our God is stronger. God, you are high. And if 
somebody right now. Find somebody and pray with them. Find somebody and join your faith together with them right now. Hallelujah. Before you start praying, just look at them. Say, I'm going to believe God with you. I'm going to believe God with you. I'm going to believe God with you. Doesn't matter what the circumstances look like. Doesn't matter if there's no rain in sight. I'm going to believe with you. And we're going to pray together in Jesus' name. Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. God, you're a God that hears, answers prayer. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. Jesus, 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 Jesus. Lord, we worship and adore you, Lord God. We praise and we believe you, Jesus. Oh. God, I take your promises. Lord, let your perfect will be done in my life, Jesus. If you find anything in me that's not like you, Lord God, take it away, Lord Jesus. Let the circumstances and situations of life do your purpose and do your will and have your way. In the name of Jesus. Oh, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus.
Jehovah. 
mighty Jesus. Oh, mighty God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. He is my God. Not just uh, your God. Not just our God. He's not just the God of Abraham, the God of Jacob, and the God of Isaac, and the God of the Browns, and the God of the Sanchez's, and the God of the Weezars, but he is my God. He is my God. Hallelujah. And until you realize that he is your God, hallelujah, until you realize that, you'll be brain, hallelujah, prayers that just don't mean a thing, but until you realize that he is your God, you'll begin to pray like you've never prayed before. You'll begin to pray, hallelujah, and do it as Jesus taught us to do it and pray with fervor, pray with a faith, pray, hallelujah, with an expectancy, hallelujah, for God to answer it or for God's will to be done, for God's perfect will to be done in my life. Hallelujah, hallelujah. We're going to close with a powerful, hallelujah, prayer. But before that, before you begin to throw yourself into the ring and think you can do it, amen, without the proper training and the hours of work, I've got to cleanse my life. And one of the first songs we sang today was for God to do something within me. And if you want God to do something for you, then guess what? The inside of me has got to have the living God moving and operating in my life. The inside of me has got to be pure and it's got to be removed, hallelujah, from the fear and the doubt and the sins and the cares of life and the things of this world. God can't help us if we're not willing to help ourselves and step out and say, God, I am going to be, hallelujah, chosen, hallelujah, for you. God, I'm going to be one that's going to be royal, God, in your kingdom. God, I'm going to be a holy nation, Jesus. God do something in me and I believe that these prayers that we pray and the new prayer life that we have are going to be a result of the faith that we have and the trust and obedience to saying God cleanse my heart renew my mind fill my soul Jesus and I want everyone under the sound of my voice myself included we're going to pray a prayer of repentance because if you want God to do something great in your life you've got to let him know that he is greater than all sin greater than all darkness greater than all fear and greater than anything that can stop you, hallelujah, from the miracle he wants to do in our lives. So I want all of us to pray this prayer. And we're going to pray this together. In the name of Jesus, I pray, Lord, that you would cleanse me. God, that you would purify me. God, that you would cleanse my mind. God, cleanse my ears, cleanse my, my eyes, my vision, my voice. God, my tongue. God, I pray, Jesus, if you're going to give me some powerful miracles in my life, then I've got to be willing to let you reign supreme in my life. Jesus, free me of the addiction. Free me of the sin. Free me of the things that I keep going back to. Now, God, your word proclaims that I am a new creature, Lord. Lord, I'm a new creature. God, let me be born of water and of spirit. But Lord, before that, let me free myself from the past. Let me free myself from the chains. Let me free myself from the doubt and fear. And right now, every sin has got to go. God, everything that it doesn't please you has got to go. Lord, and I repent. And what that means is a turn around 
around completely from the world and walk towards the kingdom and walk towards the master and walk towards Jesus. God, I pray that you would do that right now. And Lord, that you would cleanse me, that you would purify me, and that it shall be done and it is done. And I'm going to take a step of faith towards you in the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus. And now I want to know if there's someone who's willing to pray with me. Hallelujah. Pray with me with a passion. Pray with a fervor. Pray right now for the miracles in your life, whatever it may be. I want you to begin to proclaim it right now in the name of Jesus. Lift your hands. Lift your voice. Hallelujah. Lift your heart and begin to pray like you've never prayed before in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. There is no other name. There is no other name that can heal, that can save, that can provide, that can do a work. Hallelujah. That that name can do and that name is Jesus. God, and right now, God, you've taught us to draw circles around our promises. You've taught us to believe those things that you've promised us. But Lord, now I'm going to operate in faith. God, and I'm going to believe that my prayers will be heard. God, and that you will move through me, that you would speak through me. God, and the things that I ask for, the things that I commune with you about, Lord, they are going to be done according to your will and purpose. You watch your family begin to be made whole. You watch the addiction begin to move from your life. You begin to watch God put the family back together that you've been praying for for years. You begin to watch God bring that lost son or that lost daughter back to you home. God, you move it in my life. Jesus, operate God on my behalf. It's not going to happen, hallelujah, without a fervor. It's not going to happen without a, 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 just a, a tenacity, God, to move after you, to search after you, to want you, God, to move in my life, hallelujah, in the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus. Lord, I believe miracles, signs, and wonders will follow them that believe, and I believe that if I trust you with my prayer, if I trust you with my life, those things shall come to pass, hallelujah, in the name of Jesus we pray. If you believe that and you believe that with me, if you believe that with me, begin to give God praise now in advance. Begin to give God praise now. Hallelujah. Beforehand. God, I thank you for the miracle. I thank you for the healing in my body. I thank you, God. Hallelujah. For the financial provision that's going to come tomorrow. I thank you, God, for my family member that's going to be saved. I thank you, Jesus, for this church that's going to continue to be a city on a hill. Hallelujah. I thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Oh, mighty God. Thank you, Jesus. Man, I, I just feel convicted by this word from God today. Hallelujah. And I want to know if we can begin to operate in prayer like never before. Why don't we have a prayer chain? It's just, it's, we're not going to write it down, but why don't we make commitments? Who's going to pray and fast on Monday? Amen. Who's going to pray and fast on Tuesday? Raise your hand. Who's going to pray and fast on Wednesday? If we can cover all the days, that'd be great. Who's going to pray and fast on Thursday? Who's going to pray and fast on Friday? Who's going to pray and fast on Saturday? 
and we'll give you Sunday off, amen, so we can have good church and have full, be full of energy. But I believe if we bind together and make that contract, amen, with the Lord, the Lord is going to open doors that we never even knew existed. And that's the type of God that we serve. And I pray that we would flood our life with prayer and the word in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Amen. And I'm going to be expecting some miracle reports to be heard and to be given by the next time we meet. Hallelujah. Thursday, we have all church prayer here. It's un, it's just raw prayer with God. Amen. You come. Doors open at 8 o'clock for all church prayer. And then our ushers are going to be having the cards that we are having that we printed for our Easter promotion. We want you to get at least five cards so that you can give them to five people. Uh, give them to someone that you know. We've got a ton of cards. We're going to be doing some some pushes to to let people know that Life Church, Amen, is going to be doing something great. Hallelujah on Easter Sunday, and and some of us already have them. But I, I, if our ushers can have them ready as you exit and begin, who's going to make a promise? I'm going to give these cards to five people. Amen. Amen. Go and God go in peace and go with an expectancy that God has already done it because we're going to learn how to pray hard. Amen. And not hardly pray in Jesus name. Amen.